0: Today on Indie Book Talk, we're talking about virtual book launches, why and how you should plan one.
1: And what they are. Yeah, and what they are. No clue, really.
0: <laughs> Hello, I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness.
1: Hi, I'm Shell Shearer, author of Urban Fantasy and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book
0: Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. So, let's start with what they are, I guess. I've done a couple of these, so I'm speaking from a little bit of experience. Um, a virtual book launch is instead of having like an in person book event, as we would all love to do, you do it online because, well, there are a couple of reasons. One is obviously the current situation
1: mm-hmm. means
0: that social distancing and all that fun stuff.
1: People advertise these things before that even happened. So it was already a thing, I think. It
0: was definitely already a thing. And there there's some good reasons to do a virtual book launch, even when the current situation is over. And if you listened to our little chat with Jabron Graham of the Briar Patch, that we posted uh, about bookshops during COVID, he talked about some of the advantages to to doing virtual events. And one of them is that you can do an event that reaches people who are far outside your your geographical circle. So if I do a book event, say at my hometown bookstore in Bangor, Maine, Mm -hmm. people in Bangor can come to that. They can do all the fun things that we do at book events, but my family that lives in Massachusetts maybe can't make that trip. And then if you have international readers, they're almost certainly not going to make that trip. So having that virtual event allows a greater reach. So you can engage with, with a different audience than you would be able to,
1: if you were just doing your local event. So I haven't even attended one. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming it's like just the author being the sole person that's able to talk and everyone else is just kind of maybe messaging? There are a couple ways you can
0: do it. Um, it, it depends on, A, how much technology you have, and, B, how comfortable you are with that technology. Okay. So when I did my very first book launch was an in-person launch. We did all of the in-person things, you know, signing and reading and all of that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And then my second book was July 2020. Clearly, we were not doing an in-person thing. Right. So what we did was we did it over Zoom, and I ran an event with the help of my mom and my dad Mm -hmm. um, because you really can't – I mean, you can do it by yourself, but it's much harder to do it if you're all by yourself because then you have to be the personality and run the tech, and that's challenging. So for ours, we had mostly people were muted – Um, because, you know, you get 35 people on a call, they can't all talk at once.
1: Even in in a work meeting, having seven people, it's impossible to have everyone unmuted. So I can't even imagine the chaos of having that many people online.
0: Exactly. So you have them on, you have them muted, but you invite them the way we did it was to invite them to post questions in the chat. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have, we had question points where I would stop and say, you know, what are our questions? And my mom would read them to me. Mm -hmm. So we'd get, you know, oh, so-and-so wants to know, how did you decide the name for this character? And then I could answer that question. And so it was a little like one step removed from true interactive experience, but it was a little more controlled.
1: But at least people felt like their names were called out, their questions were being answered. And they were being seen. It wasn't just this like a mass scrolling of words that no one's paying any attention to in the author's talk.
0: Right, right. And that's the advantage, I think, of having a second person. If you can have somebody be your Mm co-host, then they can sort of manage that side so that the people who are there do feel like they're in an event, they're participating in, they're being heard. And they could ask me questions that I didn't have to stop in the middle of my talk to answer but they were still there and, and able to be asked when there was time for it.
1: Right, because otherwise I just can't see how it would be an enjoyable experience for either side if someone's trying to do that all on their own. You can't like, right. be engaging and read and respond. Yeah, that definitely would need a team, at least of two um, to have a, a really good one, I would think. And possibly three, maybe someone else to do the, the filming or um, any like, other help that's needed during the, the casting.
0: Right. Like I, I would say ideally in a perfect world, you would do this with at least three people. Um it but but it is doable with two. If you mm-hmm. have one person who's tech savvy and comfortable with whatever the platform is, we used Zoom, you don't have to, there are other platforms, but if you have something somebody who's comfortable with that, you can absolutely run an event that way with just two
1: people. Now, did you run into the problem where a lot of these platforms, especially the free ones, have number limits? Wow. Yes.
0: Free ones have number limits and and or they also have time limits. Right. So if you're on the free version of Zoom, you get, I don't know how many people, but I know you can only do 45 minutes.
1: Right. And then it cuts off. You're done. <laughs>
0: right. And it will it will cut off immediately. It is a a switch flipped. You hit 45, you're done. I have a paid Version because in my business I use a paid version, mm-hmm. so I'm able to do that. But if you do have to use a free version, a free option, there are a couple of things I I actually have thought about for that. One being plan it to be forty five minutes, right? Let everybody cool. know we have a hard end. This is going to be forty five minutes. If you want to engage after that, here's a chat where we can go or something like that. The other thing is. I was seeing this in an artist's forum I was in the other day where people were talking about doing like a shared Zoom where they were going to gonna kind of collaborate and say, okay, all of us will pay in and we'll each get this and then we'll schedule our stuff out of this single account. Well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So if you had like for you, you know, if you have other – Mystery authors, for example, you could do a, like a little co-op of mystery authors who you support each other on your on your live events. And also you all pay into this one account to be like a little business for Zoom,
1: hmm.
0: you know, a single entity for Zoom. And I think that that can really defray some of the cost for people mm-hmm. because that is I mean, it's a, if that's the only thing, if you do like one book launch a year and this is the only thing you use Zoom for, that's a it's a lot of money to pay for a single event.
1: Right, and you got to term. It's going to be worth it or not. I mean, you don't know how many people you're going to get. Um, not a lot of people. I mean, depending on your audience, they might not be tech savvy themselves. It may not be something they're comfortable with. Um, so there's a lot to think about if it's going to be the right platform for what you're even trying to do. Because even if you have literally just tested that thing, something is <laughs> going to break. <laughs> just I've been on so many Zoom and web calls for work or outside of work. And so many of them, the first 10 minutes are like, no, wait, let's get the presentation up. No, no, that's wrong. No.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. So funny story about the virtual book launch for near life experience that we did in July. Of course, I didn't want to do a virtual book launch. I wanted to do it in person. I (laughs) love the in person, right? I, I was a little bit sad, but then I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Hundred percent, right? I'm in all in. I'm going to make it awesome. So I had a script, and I memorized the script, and I had props. I did a drawing. We, my my dad owns a tech company, Mm -hmm. and the people in the suite next to him have a really nice video conferencing system that my dad had set up. So he knew it was there. So he went and he, you know, emailed the next door neighbor and said, "Hey, if we, you know." sanitize after ourselves and all that can we go and use your conference equipment for this event Mm -hmm. and they said sure that sounds amazing so we go over there and I decide that we're going to use the live link to test it right we're going to see like how does this all work and we're just going to use the real link because you can just not let people in until time Mm -hmm. so it's like an hour before the event's supposed to start I click on the link I have mom click on the link and it tells me it's a faulty link. Uh, what do they they say? An invalid link.
1: Right. 404 or whatever.
0: Oh. So this is a link that got sent out to all of my email <laughs> subscribers, to everyone who RSVP'd to the event. And I had, I'm going to be honest, I had this moment where I, was, I just said out loud, I said, this isn't happening. This event's just not going to happen. It will happen. Right. And so my mom was like, no. And I walked out of the room and I came back in and I said, okay, here's what we're doing. And I, <laughs> I I, I stole her laptop and I sat down and I got onto my MailChimp and I sent out an emergency email with like the word urgent in huge letters. This is the new link. Use this link. The other link is broken. This is the new link, right?
1: Well, we've all learned to roll with the punches this past year. So it was good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like people, I had, I had, I think, A 78% open rate, which is the highest open rate I've ever had on an email. That's good. Um, And so everybody got it, you know, and the people who were going to come to the event got the
1: link and got on and it was no problem. Yeah, I think everyone has pretty much experienced at least one Zoom or webcast or something this year. I think we all know to expect the unexpected and we roll with it. Yes, yes. But so back to how it works. Okay. Um, So... I guess maybe not on Facebook Live, um, which is where I tend to see them pop up the most. But what if you like, could you unmute people occasionally and be like, hey, Carol, uh, what was your question and let them talk to you? Or is that not a function in some of these programs?
0: In It's definitely a function in Zoom. And I know there are some of the other, I think Google Meet has something similar where you can have people raise their hand. Basically, <laughs> they just sort of say, hey, pick on me. Um, so if you want to do it that way, like for example, if you do a Q and A session and you say, okay, now it's time for Q and A, raise your hand. If you want to talk, then people can do that. And you can actually, you know, unmute them and, and let them ask their question verbally. And that is, that's really nice too. But you should also, if you're going to do that, be prepared for if people don't, because some people, you know, they're uncomfortable doing that. They don't know the technology. So it's good to have some questions banked. Mm -hmm. Um. So that if you get into that Q&A session, it's not really awkward with you just standing there going, anyone, anyone, you know, like a teacher at the front of the room, like, does anyone want to present? No.
1: And you're just like, pretend you have the questions ready. It's like, well, Bob asked this.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, there's always questions. You know, yeah. you there. You do enough readings and you get um, a list of these are the questions that I hear. Mm-hmm. So if I go to an, uh, an event and nobody asked this particular question, I'll probably answer it anyway because odds are someone wants to know and is just too shy to ask
1: so um on the ones you've done or ones you've been to would the author do a little bit of a reading or is it just like a quick talk about the book and you know here's the dates it's coming out and then answering questions what what's the format normally
0: the format is often includes a reading you have to keep that reading short um but that's my my sage advice for anyone doing a book event is like gauge your audience and and you know, don't sit down and read two whole chapters of your book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, pick a, a section or two that's really engaging and and go with those. Um, I actually think that if I remember correctly, and I'd have to go back and look at the recording, but if I remember correctly for near life experience, I actually did end up reading two because people were so like, oh yeah, yeah, read more.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> So I read two
0: sections. But yeah, I would say it's nice to have kind of um a housekeeping at the very beginning, you know, this is how the event's going to work. This is the structure kind of orienting people okay. in that first five minutes. And that can be you, the author doing that, or it can be your tech person, but someone should come on and say, hi, yes, you're, you're at the right event. This is what we're talking about today. Um, this is, this is how the structure is going to go. We're going to have, you know, a reading and then Q&A, and then this is going to happen. So that gives people kind of a, an idea of what they're going to see. So I would start there and then I did presentation uh, where I talked a little bit about who I was because there were some people who kind of jumped on last minute that I knew didn't know me very well. And so I said, you know, this is kind of who I am. This is my story. And um, I did a drawing, which I would normally do in an in-person event. I, I always have like a door prize because I think that's fun. I like it. And it also helps you collect emails for your email list.
1: Yeah, I wondered that. It's like, I think I would still want that kind of fun kind of game aspect that you would get an in-person. So that would be cool. Just so you ask for emails and then you pull a random email.
0: Well, it's nice because when you have people RSVP digitally, they give you your email. They have yeah. to so that they can get the, the Zoom sure. or the link, whatever. So I I just anybody who RSVP'd, if you RSVP'd, then you could be in the drawing. And so I put, you know, names in a skull shaped planter. (laughs) Of course. It's very on brand for me. Um, And I pulled a name out and I had all of the all of the things that I had were inside jokes from the book. So it was like cool things. I had stickers, I had bookmarks, but I also had just like things that you wouldn't understand why they were in there until you read the book.
1: Okay. That's fun. I like that.
0: Yeah, did you good feedback from that. I did, I did. People were excited about it. I went through the basket actually. That actually kind of gave us some more time where I, I went through and I, I said, well, "This is what's in this basket, you know." And if you win it, this is what you'll get. And there were some things that were obvious, like you know, the stickers were made sense. But then there were some that were just like, "Why is that in there? Why are there poppy seeds in here?" You're like, "Read the book, you'll find out." Right. And so that, you know, it kind of builds a little bit of excitement. And some of the things allowed me to tell stories about, for example, the reason that the main character in Near Life Experience drives an El Camino is because my grandfather drove one. And in the basket, I had um, like an artist, I got it on Etsy, an artist's print of an El Camino. And so I got to tell that story, right? Because I was going through this basket. So... That's good. It, it takes some time and it gets people engaged and it's kind of a little softer than just, um, you know, being there reading or Q&A where it can feel a little bit academic.
1: Right. Well, it needs to be a fun, interactive event, I would think. Right. right. scale.
0: Right. And you have to like the, the biggest thing and I, I'll go through at the end and give like my, you know, top five tips. But my the biggest thing I think is to plan and practice. So I had a written script and I memorized that script as though I was going to be an actor on a stage. (laughs) Okay. And there were two reasons why that was useful. One, I was less nervous because Mm -hmm. I knew what I was going to say. Two, I could really kind of live in that moment, could emote the way I would as an actor, right? So I was excited and I knew what was coming next. I knew when to be excited and when to be a little quieter. I knew kind of, you know, where to pause
1: because I'd practiced this before. And I would say for people that are uncomfortable speaking, even especially with like, you know, speaking out into the internet, of you know, nameless people, it's the more you practice, the more comfortable you're going to feel. So that's like a lot of that edge of anxiety away because you'll be like, I've got something to fall back on. I know this.
0: Well, and we also had, um, cues on we had a a big whiteboard and so (laughs) i printed out like not the whole script but like cues so if i got lost i could look over and see okay that's my cue and keep going
1: i just imagine
0: like your dad holding up a sign now say this (laughs) no no no. okay so the the funniest thing actually and this is this was my like this is where i got lost in the script and i had to stop and make a joke and it worked but i have two i at the time had two books out nothing's ever lost and near life experience The problem with that is they both start with the same letter. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So when you're trying to remember which one you mean as you're talking, uh, you, what you do, the, the pro tip, is you have your mother on the sideline with both books holding up one or the other to tell you which book you're talking about at any given moment. So, now, I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but it worked for me. I think the better choice might have been to not name books with the same first letter. Now you have learned your lesson. <laughs> now I know. The next book doesn't start with an N, so we're all good.
1: Or you could just keep going with it. You know, own that thing. <laughs>
0: One of those books that starts with an N. That's the one I'm talking about. I'll let you decide.
1: Read them all. It'll be good.
0: Read read them all and figure out which one I need.
1: So, What are your your top five overall tips other than practice, practice, practice? Yeah, practice, practice,
0: practice is the number one. If you do nothing else, do that. It will make for a better event for everyone. Um, Number two is plan ahead for disaster. Something is going to go wrong. Just know that own it, accept it, be okay with it, and recognize that the people who come to this event are not there to go, oh my God, look at what she did. They're there to go, oh my gosh, she wrote a book. And so they want you to succeed. They want you to do well. And if you mess up, if you flub a line, or if you go blank and have to go, mom, what's my line?
1: People (laughs) will just laugh. Well, people will love that. It's just more personal things.
0: Yeah, it feels real, and it doesn't feel like a pre-recorded thing. If you mess up sometimes, or if there's a technical glitch or whatever, just your, roll your with pet it.
1: Parrot that jumps on your head, go with it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I highly encourage
0: pets of all types to jump
1: out <laughs> at random intervals. So it's
0: plan plan ahead and have a script. Be prepared for disaster because it will happen. Have multiple people. You need at least one other human supporting you and they don't necessarily need to be in the same room or even in the same building but having someone else whose job it is to kind of handle some of the administrative tasks Mm -hmm. will make this much more enjoyable for you and for your readers so that's three four is record it oh because this this is a thing we almost forgot to do because we were so wrapped up in the actual event but hit the record button and save that because there are a couple of reasons why this is handy. One, you can go back and watch it and see where did I flub? Where could I do better? You know, did I keep moving around too much or was I looking at the floor or did my voice go out every time I turned my head? (laughs) Those are the things you might not notice in the moment because you're in the moment, but you can know, you can see when you rewatch, but also because it's an amazing memory to have. And to break up into smaller videos and share on your social media.
1: I was going to say, wouldn't you then also post it on your website or something? It's like, hey, did you miss this? You now still have a chance to see it. Yeah.
0: And I, I'm a firm believer in, in not sharing the totality of the event after the fact. Because I want there to be an incentive for people to actually tune in and be there. Well, that's a good tip. So you do like a highlight maybe occasionally? Yes. So, uh, for example, I de- I pulled one of the readings that I did and posted that. Um, I think I also pulled a section where I was talking about upcoming books and the anthology and I, I published that separately, but I didn't publish the whole
1: hour long event. No, I actually like that because then you get like, you know, nice partial like, gosh, I want to hear more from this woman. So next time she comes up, I'm going to definitely sign in.
0: Right. And it's also, you know, it's a reward for the people who did take the time. Mm -hmm. They, they got to be there and they had this exclusive access um, if you just give it away later, there's no incentive for somebody to be there because, oh, I'll just watch it later. And you know what happens when you right. say, oh, I'll just watch it later.
1: Yeah, there's cosmic dusk, and never happens. <laughs> so the one thing we haven't mentioned is how people get word out that it's happening. I mean, other than social media, is there any way to really promote something like this? D- definitely.
0: Social media is your first line because people are used to seeing those things on social media. The other place is through your um, email list, which you should absolutely have, and we'll probably do an episode on that at some point. but okay. you know you should have and be building an email list of people who are interested. You can post it there. Um, If you have a blog, write about it in your blog. I have several blog posts about this topic because I wrote about it as it was upcoming and then I wrote a recap and, you know, really tried to get people interested. The other thing is if you are friends with or, or have a good relationship with a local independent bookstore, you can ask them to help you promote it. And in return, have them run sales through their system. So just like you would do in a real in-person event, you know, they may be willing to do that even if they don't have the facility
1: to host your virtual event in terms of running the tech. So yet another good incentive to get out there for those small time booksellers and make friends.
0: Yes, make friends with booksellers. (laughs) (laughs) Number one tip, make friends with booksellers. That can just be...
1: All right, cool. Well, I, I'm sort of in. I might have to give one a try now.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they really are fun. It's different. It's a different experience. You know, it's it's not the same as getting to go in there and see all the smiling faces of your readers. But the the advantage is people from all over the country, all over the world can be there. And you can put them all on the big screen at once and see all of their faces literally at the same time. That's kind of exciting.
1: You the whole Brady Bunch thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I really wish I had taken a selfie with them, you know? <laughs> That'd be awesome. So lessons for next time. Take more selfies. Maybe I need a fourth person to be my photographer during the event. <laughs> you need a team. A team, I tell you. So, that was our top tips for planning your virtual book event. We'll probably have more content on this topic at a later date because there's a lot more we can dig into here. In the meantime, don't forget to like and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested.